Welcome home. You're listening to the Life Center Rainier Weekend Message. We have been in a series entitled Rhythms. Uh, if you're just following along or you're online, we want to say, like Aaron said, what's up to online? Everybody wave at online. Tell them you're glad that they're here with us. And uh, Pastor Jesse spoke last week um, on purpose and how to live with a, run with a powerful purpose. One of the things he said that really stuck out to me was if, if he paid, we play. You guys remember that part of the sermon? He's talking about Jesus going to the cross. and Just a great talk. If you have missed any of these, they're all available for you online on the app and as well on uh, YouTube and whatnot. And so this week, uh, Pastor Jesse and his family are in Sun River. They're getting some time before we hit September. Uh, so they left me with the week of preparation. Same response every gathering. Nobody's like, yes, we're talking about preparation. I didn't expect it. First service did the best. I think just because they've just been drinking coffee and been up since four in the morning. Uh, They were like, yeah, kind of. So we're talking about preparation today. And if you're going to run this life with Jesus, you're going to need to prepare. And without preparation, uh, I just have seen it time and time again. Burnout catches up to you. So I uh, want to look into Scripture today uh, and see what Scripture says about discipline, about being prepared. Uh, so if you have your Bible, uh, you can open up to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll be a couple different places today, so I hope you're ready to uh, know your Bible or know your table of contents uh, this morning. That was supposed to be funny, but some, hey, some of them land, some of them don't. So Hebrews 12, uh, if you're a young person in here, uh, grab your Bible, your physical Bible, start highlighting it, beat it up a little bit, uh, and you might get a date. You might actually get a date. I'm kidding. Students are like throwing their Bibles on the ground. I'm just kidding. I'm fired up. Hebrews 12, gave you some time to get there. This is the best part. This is the best part of today. You guys ready? Hebrews 12, uh, starting in verse 10. It says, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is what? Always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And then turn with me really quick to 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 25. Pastor Jesse was in this section for a little bit last week, but there's a part I think that can help us today as well. Verse 24 says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize, an eternal prize. Today I want to pray over these scriptures before we dive in and just believe that uh, we can leave here better than how we came in. Maybe it's been a week for you, maybe it's been a month, maybe it's been a year, but I just believe the, the word is alive today and it can transform us, it can change us, it can lift us up. So let's pray over the scriptures this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, we're thankful that it's sharp, that it can uh, help us where we're dull. It can lift us up. 
It can bring us to new places, God, and we're just so excited to dive into it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you're a person who loves to take notes and you like titles, the title of this sermon is The Payoff is in the Preparation. The payoff is in the preparation. The problem is we usually don't love to prepare. I've never heard anyone say, I love preparing for a marathon. I love preparing for running a 5K. I've never heard anybody say that. And there's actually proof to that, I believe. How many people in the room love running? Brave souls. Look at them. Now, they say they love running, but I would beg to differ. Because have you seen someone's face while they run? Like, we've heard of the cry face. Take a look at someone's run face. Like, it doesn't look like you're having very much fun at all. We don't love to prepare. I've never heard a student in youth ministry yet say, man, I have this exam coming. I just love preparing for tests. <laughs> like, it's my thing, man. Like, I just love it. Nope. Been doing it for a while. Never had a student say he loves or she loves preparing. None of us uh, that are sending kids back to school love to grab our visas and say, yeah, we're going to the mall and we're sending them back to school. Get whatever you want. Like, no, like we don't love to prepare. And it's hard for us to value and remember preparation and discipline when we live in a post-it world. We see the finished product. We see the filters. We see what looks perfect, but... There's preparation that goes into everything. Preparation is underrated. The battle is won or lost in preparation. Preparation is not pressing snooze. Anybody else love to press snooze? You can raise your hand. It's fine. We won't condemn you. I read this week that when you press snooze for 15 minutes over a year, it equals out to be 92 hours, which equals four days a year. 15 minutes of snooze, 15 minutes of, oh, it's just 15 more minutes. Four days lost in a year. I'm a snooze professional because I have four snoozes set up before I have to get up. Anybody else? Like One, two, my wife hates my snooze alarms. Preparation. There's a few modern day examples of people who were extraordinary at preparation. First, we can just take a look at NASCAR. Everybody sees NASCAR, if you love NASCAR, when, when someone passes the finish line, the car is celebrated, the driver is celebrated, but you know where NASCAR wins and loses? In the garage. In the garage, where they're working on things, how to get the car lighter, how to put stuff on it that's allowed and not allowed. That's where the race is won. I have a person I looked up to for most of my life playing basketball. His name's Kobe Bryant. I loved Kobe. I was a huge Kobe guy. And if you're a LeBron fan in the house today, we can pray for you after the service. <laughs> but um, it said that Kobe would spend four hours working on his craft, whether it was a practice day or not. His teammates said that this is just so Kobe. Uh, after practice, he would make you stay late, pick a teammate, to play one-on-one -on -one to 100. Not only is that not f fair, it doesn't even sound very fun. 
Like, you're just going to get beat to 100 so he can prepare. Uh, teammates on the Olympic team would say that uh, he would work out at 5 in the morning. And when they're coming in in the hotel for 8 a.m. breakfast, Kobe has ice on his knees because he's already been practicing since 5. Preparation. He wouldn't leave the gym without hitting 800 shots. Maybe you don't like sports. My Instagram says sports guy, so I'm always going to have a sports illustration. Maybe you love movies. Jake Gyllenhaal. Any Jake Gyllenhaal fans? You can be honest. Even if you're married, it's fine. They're just actors, okay? Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was in a movie called End of Watch, one of my favorite movies. It's about these two police officers. And it's said that for him to actually learn and prepare how to be a police officer, he spent five months on the road in a car with a police officer. Preparation. Aren't you thankful that when something breaks down on your car, AAA is prepared? Like, they're prepared for anything. You need gas, they got you. You need a new tire, they'll fix it for you. Like, they're, they're always prepared. This week, I uh, had a chance to do some prep work. Uh, I sometimes help Pastor Steve with painting when I feel like it. And this Monday was one of those days. And Pastor Steve texted me on the weekend, and he said, hey, I have an exterior in Puyallup. Would you like to help out? I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come help. Pastor Steve did not say exactly what the job was. So when I arrived on the job site, uh, this was the wall I was able to work on. All messed up. The house was built in the 1930s, and he didn't mention one word about that. He actually left the job site. He said, here you go. we got to scrape this before we paint it. And he left, and he just left me there. And I honestly, if this is a safe place, I felt like cussing Pastor Steve out. <laughs> I said I felt like it. He left, and this is, this is when I was done scraping. You can see everything that had fallen off. But I was thinking this week, when, while I was aimlessly doing this for hours. And what's funny is that's the six feet that I did. Pastor Steve did the whole rest of the house before I got there. <laughs> so I can't complain too much. But I had to get down to the raw wood. I had to get down to the core. And I think that God wants to do some deep work today. And he doesn't just want surface level prep. He wants to get down to the core. And when you, when you allow God to discipline you, get ready for some things to be scraped off. Get ready for some sanding, some friction to happen, which like the scripture says, all discipline from God is what? It's good. Here's what kind of stuck out to me this week. You see these old paint chips down here? What once was good was no longer good for this house. Even good stuff that is no longer needed sometimes needs to be Scraped off. Scraped off. Like, I honestly thought I could have died. Did Pastor Steve check that old paint for lead? Probably not. <laughs> but let show, show them the finished picture. There it is. But you see, we want that without the prep. And it's going to take some hard work some scraping, some sanding for the Lord to get down to the real issues.
Can we not play church today? Can we allow the Lord to work in our lives? God wants to do a deep work. Surface level never lasts. Did you know if, I, if Steve and I painted that house, we just showed up and sprayed, which I texted him after this job, and I said, next time let me know when it's ready to be sprayed, and I'll come spray it. But if we just sprayed over the mess, that homeowner's going to be upset. That homeowner's never going to call us again. But you have to get down to the core. My big question this morning is, will you stick with the preparation long enough to see the payoff? Will you stick with the preparation long enough to see the payoff? And the main idea is preparation is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Proverbs 24, verse 27 says, Do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. You see, we got to take some inventory today and ask what we want most. What we want, what is what we want most going to happen, or are we living in what we can only have now? You see, I, I would love to have a six-pack one day. But I also know that I love desserts now. Anybody else? Like, after a good meal, what's for dessert? I know I'm not alone in this. If I'm a selfish jerk in my marriage, it's probably not going to be great. But if I want my marriage to continue to get better and better, I'm going to have to continue to work at it. If you let your kids be brats now, they're probably going to be brats later. If you spend foolishly now, you won't be able to save and go on vacation later. What we want most over what we want now. The world is constantly offering us now, but what about what's down the road? If we could use some of these scriptures today, and we'll have a few more this morning as well, I, I think we can get better. There's no place for perfection in this house, but we can get better. There's a few things that come. I know there's more, but I, I, I just lined out a few that come when, when you live a life that's prepared and, and you're good at preparation. And number one, you will realize that you have to have patience. Patience. While I was aimlessly scraping that wall, I was almost not very patient. I was like, let's just burn this house to the ground and start over. But patience. Have you seen the, the ab simulator commercials on TV where you, live, you just try and get a fast track and you have these things shock your stomach so hopefully you'll have nice abs? We, we don't like to be patient for anything. When my wife heads out of town, she a lot of times says, you have to fend for yourself as far as what you're going to eat. And I'm like, okay. I know that Safeway has a bunch of these meals called Hungry Man Meals. Anybody ever seen those? Okay. And there's different varieties. You can choose what you want. It's kind of like a country buffet, but frozen. Or the Golden Corral. So I get my shopping cart, and I throw all these Hungry Man meals in there, and I'm like, man, that looks good. Chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, vegetable. It's going to be great. Every time I've had a Hungry Man, I either burned it up or it's too mushy and too cold. Anybody else? There's no preparation that goes into those. But how about when my wife is in town and she makes a, a homemade meal? My wife's meals are better than any five-star restaurant in this town. 
But it doesn't just happen like that. It takes preparation. I want to remind you this, that waiting time is not wasted time. While you wait, God is working. And what if you never see what you're preparing for? Will you still prepare for it? If it never actually comes to fruition in your lifetime, would you still prepare for it? I, get, I got to see this firsthand. My mom, who was married to her husband for over 50 years, and he did not love the Lord the whole time, but she was constantly praying and preparing that he would. And eventually he did. I actually got to lead my dad to Christ, but my mom never saw it. She still doesn't know it. She's at a point in her illness that she can't comprehend what's going on, but did you know that it happened? And she was preparing for it. Patience is the attitude while we wait. And are you living now, or are we living like God is doing what we're waiting for? Number two, you guys still with me? We're going to have a few of these. Pace. Pace. When we run, we have to run with a pace. And I think the biggest thing in 2019 that we get mixed up is God wants you to run at your pace, not somebody else's pace. He's calling you to run at your pace, not someone else's, not your friends, not your coworkers, not your bosses. He's calling you to run at your pace. And most of the time, the reason why we fall on our face is because we're trying to run at somebody else's pace. We get so wrapped up in others. Instagram and Facebook have helped magnify this to where we see somebody else's pace and we're like, that is what it is. That's the life. But God's called us to run at our own pace. Have you ever seen a, a person in the gym who jumps on a treadmill? I wanted them to bring a treadmill onto the stage this week, but we weren't able to make it happen. Actually, he was going to preach the whole message on the treadmill, get a workout in while I preach. But have you seen this guy that, or gal that just jumps on the treadmill and she goes straight or he goes straight to level 15 and you're just like, good grief. What did they have before they came to the gym? What I've noticed is usually after a few minutes they're throttling down. They're coming back down to a, a, a level that's more sustainable. I think sometimes we can do that. We can look at how fast somebody else is running. I think that's how fast I need to run. But God's called you to your own pace. On Monday, uh, my family and I are, are taking a road trip to go see my folks and my family who live in California. It's our first family road trip. All Jamie's idea. I'm just going to tell it how it is. <clears throat> when she came to me and said, hey, we should take a road trip to California, I was like, yeah, we should. Me and you. Where are the kids going to go? And she was like, no, 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 family road trip. Mind you, one of our kids is three and the other one is one years old. <laughs> and so I was like, this doesn't sound like a family road trip. This sounds like uh, we're not going to make it. <laughs> but what's really cool is she found this app to when you're traveling with young kids, this app tells you where to go on the way. It tells you what McDonald's to stop at or whatever fast food you like that actually has the giant jungle gym for the kids. It tells you what where the water parks are. Why do we need those? So hopefully they get all their energy out and sleep in the car, right? We're going to go at a pace. We're going to enjoy the run. You know, Jesus went at a pace that was not popular. 
He didn't go pedal to the metal. He went at his pace that the Father had planned for him. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. He would engage, 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 and then he would retreat. Engage, 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 retreat. It was never just engaging the whole time. And what's really interesting is uh, when he's 12 years old, you guys, maybe some of you guys know the story when he's in the temple and nobody can find him. His mom is looking for him. Where's Jesus? And when she finds him, he's in the temple and he tells her something like, hey, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? I'm about my father's business, something like that. And you know what's wild? We don't see Jesus in scripture again until 18 years. I think mom was like, hey, listen here, little Jesus. (laughs) You ain't going to run off again. (laughs) Maybe the Lord even had to have Jesus say, hey, we realize you're in the temple, but there's a pace with your mission as well. We live in this, this world where everything has to be instant. Everything has to be right now. And many of the students in the room will not know what this is. But back in the day, This was your iPhone. Instant camera, which I don't know why they call it the instant camera, okay? But what was really cool, and I think you students should go back to these. You know why? Because you had one shot, not 67 shots. You had one shot. You didn't have any filters. You couldn't make it perfect. You had to hope and pray. Man, I hope this one's good. And your your days are numbered. Counts down for you. <laughs> but um, you would take a shot, and I'm definitely not using the flash again. Josie had me use the flash last service. I almost fell off the stage. <laughs> but if you wanted to do a selfie, like I'm going to do a selfie with this crowd, you had to just, you know, I, you can't even tell if you're in it or not. You just, you just got to, Lord Jesus, let this be good, right? Boom. I, I did one for each service. You don't think these are going to come out? Without the flat? Are you, okay. I'll blind myself for you, Josie. Anything for you. You guys ready? Middle section. Yep. There goes my eye. Everybody say cheese. There it is. But um, the cool thing about these is when you were done, you took it to the pharmacy. And you handed it. What? What? The pharmacy? I don't know. That's where we went. That's where me and my mom went. She had to get her medication and develop her photos. <laughs> Rite Aid. Walgre- Walgreens wasn't even a lot around when I was a kid. But um, you had to hand it over and you had to wait for them to develop it. It was not instant. There was a process. There was a pace with which you received it. Let's run with a pace that will last. Let's enjoy the process. Number three, this is probably my favorite one of all the thoughts today is when you prepare, you need to prepare in private. You see, where there's public victory, you can usually find some private discipline. And a lot of times in sports, when there's a big playoff game or in the NBA or even in the NFL and, and there's something that the coaches really want the players to see that nobody else is allowed to see, even reporters, they have this thing called a 
closed practice. Nobody else is allowed in. The stuff they're going to work on that nobody's going to see, stuff that they're expecting the other team to do, it's a closed practice. I was thinking this week, how often do I have a closed practice with the Lord? Just me and him working on stuff, allowing him to discipline me and prepare me. There's a story in the Bible, maybe if you've been in church for a long time, you've heard it. It's the woman in, in olive oil. And the story I'll summarize the best I can and read a, cute, a couple of verses. The woman's husband passed away and he was serving a prophet and they owed some money. They had debt. And in those days, if you owed a debt you could not pay, they, come, they would come and take your children. So they were after her sons in this story in 2 Kings. Some of you guys are like, can we bring that back? <laughs> you can come get my kids. But um, she goes to the prophet and she's, she asks for help. What do I do? She's desperate. And this was the, the prophet's words to her, Elijah's words, in 2 Kings 4, verses 3 through 6. I think it can help us this morning. It says, And Elijah said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house. This is key for us right here. Go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil out from the flask into jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did what she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Now, if you've been in church for a long time, this is one of a, a, a preacher's usually go-to stories. But I, the, in studying this week, what really stood out, stuck out to me was go in your house with your family and shut the door. Shut the door. Get in private and start to prepare. You see, everything was on the line for her. And she listens to the prophet's words and gets alone with her family in private. I didn't see on Facebook for her a, just so you know, this is what's going on. Ever seen those posts? Or if anybody actually cared, dot, dot, dot. Those ones I love. But what are you preparing for in private? God wants us to shut the door sometimes and let him do what only he can do. Every jar was filled. She had more than enough. I think of David, King David, who was anointed at a young age and then appointed 13 years later. The whole time he was preparing in private for what was coming. And the song that we sing, maybe you saw me on the front row, I was like, what is this guy doing? There's a song that we sang, the, the, the I'm going to see a victory song, and it, it says, uh, you turn what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. They wrote that story all about David and Goliath and the turn is supposed to be the sling. That's why I wasn't like, that wasn't a new way to worship. I was just <laughs> feeling it. And um, if you know the story of David and Goliath, maybe you've been in church and heard it, maybe you've heard it at a church. Um, David is bringing lunch for his brothers and there's a giant that has been defying Israel for some time and nobody wants to 
go onto the battlefield to take him on one-on-one. On one. But David overhears what the giant is saying about his Lord, and he says, I'll take him. And he goes to Saul, the then-appointed king, and Saul's response to David is interesting. He says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight him. You're just a boy. He's been fighting since his youth. And in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34, David's response is very key for us, I think. It says, David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Anybody beside me love the Old Testament. I club it to death. I have done this both with lions and bears, and I'll do it with this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. It says he was practicing on lions and bears. I think sometimes the reason why we can't face our giant or take a giant down is because we haven't been preparing well with the lions and the bears. Once God has you take out lions and bears, you start to get a confidence that, you know what, he took out the lion and the bear. I know there's no one else that he can't take out. He did it in private. He learned the sling in private. I'm pretty sure there's nothing documented in Scripture where the lambs and the sheep are like, that was a good one, David. Hit it again. He's in private. He's out in the fields learning the sling, learning the harp. He learned the sling, which helped him later. He learned the harp, which helped him later. He developed a closeness with God, which helped him later. All of these things were done in private. How are you preparing in private? Here's what I've learned very quickly, is what we do in private will eventually show up in public. What we do in private, one way or another, is eventually going to show up in public. And I don't know about you, but I want to have the Lord preparing me so that there's more victories that are coming in public. Anybody else? Number four, we got to prioritize. If we don't prioritize, we won't prepare. And we prepare for what matters. We prepare for what matters. Any of the parents in the room, you remember when you had your first kid on the way? Did you prepare? I think we over-prepared. We had the suite for the kid that was just decked out with everything. And then there was a bed next to where I sleep. I was like, why is that bed here if there's also a bed in her room? Oh, she has to sleep with us for a few months. Oh, gosh. We were prepared. We were very prepared. I read a book called What to Expect When You're Expecting. I have some thoughts and edits for that author. <laughs> Anybody else? We prepare for what matters. My wife, when she puts car seats into the cars, uh, she cranks them in there so good that if a tractor hit us, we would all, the kids would be okay. We would not, but the kids would be fine. She just has these things cranked down in the car. 
So bad that one time she came home and we were switching into new car seats. And she's like, hey, you got to switch those other ones out. She was not at home. She came home and she's like, why is like this seat belt that goes to the car seat and the car seat on the side of the house? I said, I actually had to cut them out with a knife. Because I could not get my finger underneath the thing. That's how prepared we were for these kiddos. I tell you all that to tell you this. Maybe God has not birthed anything new because we haven't prepared and prioritized to receive it. Maybe God hasn't birthed anything new because we haven't prioritized or prepared to receive it. You see, um, when we prioritize things, they matter. They show up in our calendar. They show up in our schedule. Where does the Lord rank in your iCal this morning? Where does devotions and time with his word rank in your calendar? Where does community rank in your calendar? I find sometimes we say, yeah, I think we'll make it to church this weekend. And I've learned that being a youth pastor, somehow we've switched to where Sports are here, and church is here. And I've heard a pastor say, I think Pastor Tyler and Pastor Jesse have said, when it comes to community, you don't need it until you need it. Where does it rank? Where does it prioritize in your life? What gets the most attention wins. Number five is pain. When you prep, there's going to be pain. We actually read it in Hebrews. I'll read it again. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. It's painful. Anybody else, when you go to the gym and you haven't gone for a while, and you're like, oh, my gosh, my arms are noodles. I can't even feel them. Leg day, you're just walking like, oh, whoa, what happened to my legs? Like, there's pain that happens when we prepare. There's pain that comes with discipline. Philippians 1, verses 29 and 30 say, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege in suffering for him. Our whole movement, the whole Jesus movement is based out of pain. Christianity is based. Pain. Jesus went to the cross. There was pain. I think that as much as we want gains in, in, our, in our finances and in our health, does anybody else want some spiritual gains in their life this week? Where maybe my muscles aren't that big on the outside, but on the inside I have some spiritual gains going on. I like to text Marquis. He's here today when I'm in the gym, and he goes, how did it go? Just solid gains, bro. <laughs> solid I want to be able to text Marquis and say, hey, I have some solid gains going with the Lord. I have some solid gains going in my devotion life. There's going to be pain. And lastly, perseverance. Will we stick with it? I want to be in this thing for the long game. Anybody else? I can't wait to run into Jesus' arms and for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. One of my biggest fears about getting this eternal prize and getting to heaven, one of my biggest fears 
is getting into Jesus' arms and realizing how good he is and, and looking back and say, I, I was stuck in that. Or I was spending time doing this and you were this good the whole time. We gotta persevere. We gotta finish well. James 1 verses 2 and 3 say, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Nothing. I love that scripture in Hebrews. It says, no discipline is enjoyable when it's happening. It's painful. Underline this in your Bible this morning or on your app. But afterward, but afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained this way. Another scripture would say, later on, there's a harvest coming. But sometimes we may never make it to later on or afterward because we quit. And what if we're walking away from moments and blessings where God was just about to work, but we couldn't deal with the pain? We couldn't prioritize it. I think the biggest thing that gets us to quit is our mistakes. Shame from our mistakes is the biggest reason, I think, why especially young people quit. But I came to tell somebody, you may have made a mistake today, but you're not a mistake. My Bible says that though the righteous fall seven times, they get back up. We get back up. We keep going. We persevere. And I'll close with this this morning so we can go have lunch and hang out with our family. Anybody else hungry this morning? Just me. Not only do we get to prepare, we have someone who's preparing for us. Not only do we get to prepare, but we have somebody who's preparing for us. It says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Are you thankful that while you're preparing, someone else is preparing? Jesus Christ is getting heaven ready for you. And we don't talk about heaven enough. Heaven's going to be awesome. That eternal prize is going to be incredible. So we'll end with a couple prayers. Maybe you're in this place and you don't know who Jesus is. You just wandered in. You saw the sign on the side of the road. Someone invited you. We're going to pray that today would be your day to follow after Jesus. And then the second prayer we'll say today is, man, you just lack preparation. You want to get better at preparing for what the Lord has for your life. Maybe you've been running at a pace that's not yours. You want to allow God to speak your pace into your life this morning. Let's all pray together. Jesus, first and foremost, we pray for anyone in the room who does not yet know you. We pray that right now they would be able to put their trust in you. Lord, that they would be reminded that their sins are forgiven, that they can chase after you and live this beautiful life with your son, Jesus. 
there's anybody in the room that wants to make that decision today, go ahead and raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Awesome. Awesome. And Lord, for the rest of us, God, we want to be better at preparing. We want to, want you to, we want to allow you to use our pain. You use it all, Lord. God, help us in this area. Help us to be the most prepared Jesus followers we've ever been. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.